What's up, new community? Welcome to our Sunday service for August 9th. We are so glad you're with us. Hey, my name is Greg Conley, and I'm one of the elders here at Newcom. We have an awesome service planned for you, looking at the themes of lament and hope. I'm particularly excited about today's service, as lament has been something that, that I've been learning about and learning to practice more intentionally the last several years. I found uh, in this study that I think it's a beautiful way to interact with God when things aren't going right, and we don't, we don't really know what to do. Um, one of the ways that I've found that I see lament most clearly is through music. Now, whether it's a psalm that's been set to music or a hip-hop song you hear on the radio, when artists cry out in pain, God is there. And what I found is that it can be incredibly comforting when we feel the same way that we think the song is communicating that pain. We identify with what's what we're hearing. And as you, as you move through the service, make sure you click on the link to listen to Drown, a track by Lecrae and John Legend. It's a lament in its own right, a calling out to God, hoping in desperation that he'll show up in the midst of deep pain and uncertainty. The song was, was written in the midst of, of COVID-19 and the uncertainty that it's caused and all of the deep pain and tension that we've experienced because of racism in our country. So it speaks to our current cultural moment. I hope you enjoy the song, that, that it's something you identify with and is supportive of, of your journey and that you enjoy the rest of our service. Hello, new community. Now today, I'm in charge of giving a few announcements. But I have to be honest, I am not a huge fan of Sunday morning announcements. You might have noticed that from the times that I have to give them. Uh, I feel like I'm somehow uh, trying to persuade people to pay attention to the announcements. And so today, since I'm in charge of the announcements, I'm going to change it up just a little bit. I want to give you three announcements. First one is a reminder. Second one, an encouragement. The third one, a story. So first, my announcement is this. It is a simple reminder. Give yourself grace. This week, give yourself grace. Now, some of you, this week has been a challenging week. You heard news about 
school being a little bit different than you hoped for for the fall. It could be your college classes. It could be your students living at home, not going off to college. It could even be the fact that elementary and high school students will likely be online for quite a while. Maybe you received some work at news that was less than stellar. Maybe you've just been struggling with the mental and emotional strain of being in the state that our world is in. Regardless of what it is you're facing, regardless of what it is that's coming into your world and pressing into those areas that you just don't want to deal with, I would say give yourself grace. Rest in that grace. And may that posture of giving yourself grace be one that invigorates your week. Number two, I want to give you an encouragement. Give others grace. So the same grace that you're giving yourself, I would encourage you to give others that same grace. Right now, people that you meet are in need of grace. So I'd encourage you, always assume the best. Assume that the person has the best of intentions, the best of heart, uh, that the decisions they're making come from informed places, that the differences of, of perspective that they might have, whether they be political or race-related or related to um, differences of opinion in society in some way, um, assume the best of those individuals. Care for people enough to get to know their story, and in the midst of that, give others grace. The third is a little story. So the other day after work, I was on my bike. I went out for about an hour ride, and I was on the Centennial Trail quite a ways out near probably the Sullivan exit. And the sun is kind of setting uh, off to the one side. It is over the river and it is beautiful and i come along this tree-lined stretch and i get to an open part of the river where you can see for a great distance there's nothing barring the view the sun is setting the sky is perfect the river's rushing and i look off to my left and the picturesque scene only gets better because then all of a sudden a hawk comes swooping by and then acts like my wingman for about 10 seconds. So as I'm biking, this hawk is just like floating along the bank of the river along the Centennial Trail. And the picture that I was viewing was amazing. And as I kept riding, that scene kind of ended and it got me thinking. And the thought that I was most, most struck by is this idea uh, about a word that I've been using recently. Uh, I've noticed that frequently I've used the word uncertainty. I'll say things like we're in uncertain times or we're dealing with quite a bit of uncertainty. Um, I might even say that because the situation's uncertain, we don't know what will happen with school or we don't know what will happen with work or not sure when we'll start gathering together again as the church. And the word that I keep using is uncertain, uncertain, uncertain. And the thought struck me as I was writing that perhaps that's the wrong word. 
that the nature I was viewing, the picture that I was seeing was a reminder of something. And the reminder was of the absolute certainty of God. That in the nature and in the view and in, in all that I was seeing, I was reminded in my soul that the things that we believe and the one that we follow is the most certain of all things. And I don't think God is wherever God is and he's speaking with Gabriel and he says like, you know, I wish things weren't quite so uncertain. <laughs> That's not what he's feeling in this moment. His faithfulness is new every morning and the scriptures remind us that his faithfulness is great. And so my story that is hopefully an announcement that reminds you of the certainty of God, the beauty of his creation, the splendor of all that he does. And while we are in the midst of a unique time, I don't think it's always just uncertain. We are in the midst of a unique time and we serve a certain God. So may this reminder to give yourself grace this encouragement to give others grace in this story remind you that we are a part of a community pursuing a God who is more than certain. We love you, new community. Please join me for our call to worship written by Reverend Aaron Conahan. Your, your word is a lamp to my feet, Lord. Your word is a light to my path. Though the world around me tosses and tumbles, I hold fast to you. Though I have doubts and worries and I wonder, I hold fast to you. Though my heart hurts, my spirit aches, and I lose my way, I hold fast to you. Though I encounter wickedness and hate seemingly around every corner, I hold fast to you. Your stories and your songs, O oh Lord, they comfort me. Your will and your way, O oh Lord, they nudge me along. Your presence and your promise, O oh Lord, they give me hope. Your world is my heritage and my heart, and I will turn towards you forever. I will hold fast to you, and I will sing praises to your name. Please join us in the reading of a scriptural litany put together by Christine Longhurst that contrasts the hope and confidence of the psalmist in Psalm 23 with the anguish and despair of a writer of Psalm 13. Experiencing God, two views. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? with sorrow in my heart every day. He restores my soul. He guides me along paths of righteousness for the sake of his good name. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sight to my eyes, or I will die. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. 
You prepare a feast for me right in front of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. New community, welcome to the podcast for August 9th, uh, wherever you were at, whenever you were listening. I'm glad that you decided to join me here. Um, so the setting I am in, it's currently early morning, Wednesday, August 5th. I'm in the office uh, at my house, which has a desk that faces a window, and that window faces the street. And I just witnessed a few of my elderly, uh, maybe seasoned is a nicer way to say it, neighbors, power walking with lightweights and wearing masks. It was a scene that perfectly captures the moment we're in. To say we're living in a strange time is an understatement. To say we're living in an unprecedented time does not even really begin to capture the way that many of us are feeling. On the podcast last week, Russ and I uh, discussed what we're calling the problem. Uh, we discussed the idea that there has been an exposure of some potential deficiencies in the church and its people that we believe COVID has unearthed. We circled around a few things, but ultimately landed on the fact that we believe Christians, in becoming consumer-oriented, have become over-reliant on the Sunday gathering. That our ongoing growth and transformation as people has artificially been connected to the religious goods and services dispensed by our churches. That the practice of the discipleship of our neighbors and our co-workers and our friends and our family has largely been passed off as a job for the spiritual professionals. That when the world literally shut down around us, the practice of our faith too easily was moved to the back burner. These realities, we believe, have led many to an aimless and lonely and frustrated and murky connection with God in the last few months. Now, my caveat, and especially for those that maybe missed last week's discussion, is that I am not saying Sunday is bad. I'm not saying that the corporate gathering is the problem. I believe our gathered services hold immense value, and I desperately miss that time together. What I am saying is that it's very easy to allow Sunday to become a crutch in your spiritual growth and your practice of your faith. This series, the in-between as we're calling it, wants to get at a few of these things to challenge those willing to listen to own their faith and regain what might have been lost amidst the recent chaos, to shine light in the darkness and expose the places we are holding back. Now pause and notice that I didn't ex say expose places of weakness or vulnerability like maybe I wanted to. Trust me, because my tendency would be to encourage others to search out and vanquish any possible weakness, but I've come to realize that weakness and vulnerability are not the issue in this situation. They're actually good things and can benefit us in this time. I believe the church needs to learn to be more vulnerable in its relationship with God. 
I believe the actual problem is control. I believe the reason that many of us feel the way we do is that we have lost control in certain areas of our life. If one thing is true about COVID beyond its devastating health effects, it's that it has dictated the flow and movement of our daily lives for the last few months and likely will dictate the flow and movement of our lives moving forward. The only thing that I can really compare it to is parenthood. Now, I know comparing a horrific and deadly virus to become a parent is not really that tasteful, but you have to admit the idea of lost control between the two is comparable. So on January 1st, 2009, I woke up with not a care in the world. It was the day after New Year's. I had my whole life ahead of me. I was in charge of myself. I got to make my own choices, my own decisions. Then on January 2nd, by about lunchtime, I was learning how to swaddle a baby while my wife was changing the other. And in that moment, I began to think that things might be different in the future. It was a very similar feeling to how many of us felt in mid-February when we first started hearing about the coronavirus and started thinking, huh, I wonder if things will be different because of this. But it wasn't until January 4th, when we were released from the hospital, we made our way back home. We stepped through our front door, each of us holding a car seat. We put those two car seats down right next to one another. Each was filled with its own squishy human being. They were facing us and we looked into those car seats. Then I looked at my wife and I said, well, what the hell do we do now? And in that moment, my life was forever different. The control I relished in just a few days earlier was gone. I love my boys. I love being a dad. But to say I have control over my life in the same way I did before they were born would be a total lie. I don't. It's different now. I believe we encountered the same feeling and reality in mid-March when our world came to a halt. The things we once had control over, we do not. Whether you like it or not, life is different than it used to be, and it's very possible that life will forever be different in some ways. Now, it might have been easy to adapt if the only things that COVID changed was our ability to go to the movies or enjoy live concerts, but every area of our lives has been affected, and this includes the practice of our faith. For much, if not all, of our lives living in this country, we have been afforded, afforded the ability to control our own practice of faith. We made the decisions. We were in control. We were the shot callers, freely choosing the church we attended and how much and how often and to what degree we were involved in said church. We got to choose the small group or Christian community with which we participated. We dictated how much time and effort we were willing to give. If we felt like it, we would go on Sundays, and if we felt like it, we would sing. And if not, we would just stand back and listen. We established regular rhythms of showing up to a specific place at a specific time to serve a specific organization or community. And for many of us, this had become what we thought was mission. Now, these things have been stripped away. The easy avenues for the practice of faith have been removed. The built-in accountability we had is gone. The choices we once relished in, the control we once believed was ours, is no longer. And we have been left without the safeguards and guide rails of organizations and professionals. Those that have been unwilling or unable or just slow to adapt to this new reality have likely felt isolated 
distant, wayward, unsteady, or maybe have thrown in the towel on this Jesus thing altogether. This reality is the reason we entered into this series. Russ and I spoke this last week to the bigger systemic issues of consumer spirituality that we are facing currently. So rather than rehash all of this stuff, I want to spend the rest of our time in a place of honest reflection, in a place of vulnerability, a place where we can express in our weakness our feelings so that God can be our strength. Before we just work through this time, and I just did air quotes uh, by myself in my office, I believe it's important to lament where we are currently at. See, it's not just enough to sit quietly and hope that things drift away. It's not enough to become numb to this reality and just hope that everything changes on its own. We have to be willing to engage the process. We have to be willing to question and wrestle with God, to ask questions of why, to honestly speak to our sadness, our anger and confusion in this season. This is what the church is needing in order to take steps forward in this time. Without naming these things, without speaking these things, they settle deep and begin to poison our very very lives. They become the obstacles that keep us from connection with God. As Dan Allender says, to put it simply, it is inconceivable to surrender to God unless there is a prior declared war against him. Lament truly is about surrender, and only in surrender can we regain our footing. It's estimated that one-third of all the Psalms are laments. Now, this doesn't mean that the book is a total downer, but rather that the book is largely about the human experience of surrender to God. A lament is not just the entitled wishing things were different. It's not just complaining to God. It's a way we enter into vulnerable and honest relationship with God. It's an acknowledgement of and a movement toward trust in the divine. Now, I know the severity of effects from COVID is different for each listening. Some have just been mildly inconvenienced, while others have experienced significant loss. But there is a place and there is a need for lament in every experience along the spectrum of severity. Brian McLaren, one of my favorite authors, says this, whether we're dealing with anxieties, wounds, disappointments, or other needs or struggles, there is enormous power in simple, strong words, the words by which we name our pain and then translate it into a request to God. Through this practice of petition, we discover something priceless. The sacred connection can go stronger through, not in spite of, our anxieties, wounds, disappointments, struggles, and needs. McLaren is getting at an idea that I believe is critical. There needs to be a healthy movement into and through lament. First, turn toward God. Then speak your most honest and vulnerable words. Get into God's face if you need to. You present your requests, and then you surrender in trust, knowing that God hears. We see this pattern of lament throughout the scripture, but take Psalm 13, for example. Psalm 13 says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. 
Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. God, where are you? God, you abandoned me. Why does it feel like you care for my enemy more than me? God, answer me. But I have seen your faithfulness and I choose to trust. The movement into and through lament means you turn towards God. You speak your honest feelings and words. You present your request and then you surrender in trust to God. This is lament. Now, there is much to lament in this season, much that can be said. For example, here are a few things that I have thought through and lamented. I am pained to have a friend who lost his grandmother, who contracted the virus, and is still unable to travel back east to mourn and grieve with his family. I am sad for the thousands of students in Spokane, including my three boys that will be thrown into distance learning in the fall. And in fact, I'm concerned for the health of our kids. And truth be told, I'm not super excited about homeschooling. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm frustrated with the seeming inconsistency in our phased reopening, restarting plans for the local economy. I long for the weekly joy and connection felt through Sunday gatherings and my Wednesday small group. And the list goes on and on. New community. In the next few minutes, take some time to write down your places of sadness, of anger, of frustration, the things that you have been feeling in the last few months. Write down the places of anxiety and confusion that you feel when you look forward into the unknown timeline of this season. Take time not only to acknowledge, but to speak out those places of pain in your life right now. Not only can God handle what you feel and say, but God is waiting to hear. He's willing and able to take it. So take the time right now you need for this exercise. Thank you.
let me encourage you, even if you have not felt disconnected or fractured in your faith, give yourself to the process. Take the time necessary. Learn to further surrender through lament. But, and here is the big but, don't stop here. Lament that stagnates in sadness and anger is not enough. The biblical movement of lament, as we see in Psalm 13 and throughout the scripture, is toward a place of trust, a place that gives credence to God's provision, to God's presence, to God's action. And although we may not understand or see how these things will come to be, our lament should move forward in this way. If we are going to move to this place of trust, we have to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness and orient our gaze toward hope. As the book of Hebrews encourages us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. When you have taken the time necessary for your lament, make another column on your paper and begin to write down the ways God has been faithful in these past few months and the hopes you have for the months ahead. Here are a few of mine. I am so deeply thankful that to this point, I and my family are healthy. I have seen God's faithfulness in his provision for our church community, not only through the committed and continuing giving of our people, but the unique and unexpected source of a federal government forgivable loan. I have cherished the special time I've been given to be with my boys and my wife as life has slowed down around me. I'm thankful for the extra moments of rest that I've been able to take in this quarantine. Uh, I'm hopeful that these new rhythms that I've been able to establish in the last few months will continue to aid my overall health moving forward. I've been incredibly encouraged by the creativity of local business owners and hope that these entrepreneurs will continue to adapt in unique ways. These are but a few of the things I was able to reflect on. This aspect of lament is sometimes missed. I get it, things can be so raw, so broken, there may not be the ability to see his faithfulness or hope for something new, but you cannot stay in that place. You have to look both within and outside to see his work and begin to trust in him again. So take the time necessary right now for this portion of the exercise.
The practice of lament is not only cathartic, but it's needed. It's from the ashes that the forest grows strong. In the same way, we can be transformed in our pain and sadness and anger and frustration. If we're willing to invite God into our vulnerability and our weakness, it is only in that place that he can be our strength and hope. I wanted to leave you with an updated version of Psalm 13 written by Tom Rapsis that I believe illustrates a few points that I've tried to communicate this morning. I'll call it Psalm C-19. When will this COVID-19 pandemic be over, dear Lord? When will the fear, suffering, and death stop? How will you make things right for those who have lost their jobs and livelihood, those who are sick or who have lost family members and friends? God, make this virus go away. Heal the sick, take away our fear, show some mercy. Help those who need your assistance, though they do not call out to you. You have been there before to assist us in times of need. So I make this personal plea. Where there is stress, help us to manage it. Where there is illness, help us to cure it. Where there is fear, help us to chase it. Focus our attention and intention today on what really matters. I trust you and know that there are better days ahead. New community, the movement into and through lament will help us to reorient our gaze on hope. It will help us to once again trust in the Lord. It will help us to own our faith, to continue to be a people transformed into the likeness of Christ. I hope you will engage in these exercises today and throughout the week. Know that you are loved. Think on these things this week and continue to press on toward the goal with which we are all called. Amen. New community, join me in this benediction written by Reverend Nora Vidras. New community, while so much of the road ahead is uncertain, the path constantly changing, we know some things that are as solid and sure as the ground beneath our feet and the sky above our heads. We know God is love. We know Christ's light endures. We know the Holy Spirit is here found in the space between all things, closer to us than our next breath, binding us to each other until we meet again. Go in peace.